0: Thank you so much for joining us on the LifePoint Church Podcast. If you would like to hear more from LifePoint, we encourage you to download the LifePoint app where you can watch sermons, take notes, and follow along in the Bible. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, we would love to hear about it at lifepoint.org forward slash story. Again, thanks for joining us. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses and everybody joining us online and the Juvenile Detention Center. Come on, church. Every campus, let's welcome everybody. And we're so glad that you're here. Hey, how about last weekend, Pastor Carl Lentz? Man, what a... Unbelievable. If you missed that, you need to go back and watch that and uh, and learn... Just what God's called us to, how to turn the page. If you missed not night of worship, I'm so sorry. Um, we learned about what we are as a church, how we just, we're, we're the body of Christ and we love each other. And uh, we walk with people through things. What a powerful, powerful... Um, weekend it was, and I have an exciting announcement because um, next month we've got some excitement coming to the house too. October the 4th, October the 4th, I want you to mark your calendars right now, October the 4th, it's a Thursday night, and and we have a very special guest that we're going to be hosting that night. It's not going to be your normal type night of worship with food trucks and all that kind of, it's going to be ticketed. Um, They're free. You'll need to get those. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. But this past summer, Tammy and I had the privilege of going to Brooklyn got invited to an event um, with some pastors and then um, got invited to the next day to be a part of an event called Night of Hope with Pastor Joel Osteen. And I'm telling you, my mind was blown. Um, I don't think I've ever seen as many people respond to the gospel and accept Jesus as I did in that one moment. I, I promise you, half of the Barclays Center... Um, there in Brooklyn, half of it stood when the gospel was given, and, and they seen, they seen literally millions of people give their lives to Christ, and anyways, through that event, we, we made some friendships and, and uh, didn't think anything else about it, and then about a month later, I got a text saying, hey, um, Pastor Joel's going to be in D- in October, going to be in D.C., and um, he's going to be releasing a new book, and would you, be, would you be open to opening your facility to host a night of his book tour, and I was like, let me think about that. Of course I would. <laughs> Um, and so on October the 4th, um, we had the privilege of having Pastor Joel Osteen. I tell you, I've, I don't think I've ever met a more humble man and a man that's more just in love with lost people and reaching the lost. And I tell you, because of Sirius XM and because of the positive message that he preaches, um, a lot of unchurched people listen to him. And this could be our greatest opportunity to have unchurched people walk through our doors. That never would. Matter of fact, I had a conversation today with someone that knew he was coming and said, "Um, I've got a friend and they are um, far from God, but they listen to Joel Osteen on a regular basis and I'm gonna try to get them in the building that night. And so, man, we just have an opportunity for the gospel and, and you know us, we'll do anything to reach people that are far from God. And so that night, we'll do some worship. I'm going to interview, it's going to be an interview style. I'm going to interview him. And then um, he's going to stay. He said he'll stay and sign every book that anybody wants him to sign. And so if you want an opportunity to meet him and say hello. and um, So it's going to be a great night. Now, here's what I'm asking of you. Um, Tickets don't release till tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., Monday morning, 8 a.m. And um, the website there is lifepoint.org slash Joel Osteen. And it'll be on all of our social media. But here's what I'm asking of you is that only take a ticket if you plan on bringing someone that's far from God. This is one of the greatest opportunities. I'm telling you, one of the greatest opportunities we've ever had as a church to have people far from God walk through our doors that normally would not. And so if you get a ticket, you know, get one, but, but get one and bring someone with you, you know, in your life that is far from God but may be interested Um, to hear from him because of the influence God has given him. And so he's allowing us, and we're going to leverage that influence. Um, to make an impact in this region and to attract people that otherwise would not come to church. And so it's going to be a powerful night and then we're going to have opportunity. They're going to experience LifePoint and the love and the amazing people of LifePoint. And so um, we're just so excited. I couldn't be more excited, more honored. And um, and our team is honored, sharing with our leaders last night uh, about how excited we are. And they were just, I mean, erupted. And so we couldn't be more pumped to be a part of it and and reach people because, you know, we exist so that people far from God Become fully alive in Christ. And step one is we want them to know God. We want to help people know God. And so it's going to be a great opportunity to do that. So that's enough announcement about that. But October the 4th and 8 a.m., you want to set your reminder, set your alarm. We're, we're doing that so that everybody has fair chance. Every service will get the announcement. And then 8 a.m., everybody has a fair chance to, to get on in those tickets. Um, if you need a title for today, I want to bring a message entitled this in week number three of Fierce Faith called A Faith on Fire of faith on fire. In this series, I've been trying to do this. I've been trying to set this idea and and maybe kind of debunk uh, the myth that faith is some feeling or it's something that'll drop out of the sky during worship one day, um, or it's some pixie dust that God will sprinkle over you, um, but that faith is evidence. The writer of Hebrews said that faith is the evidence of things hoped for, and so evidence is tangible, uh, evidence is observable. And so I've been trying to share with you that, that there's some things that you do. There, it's action that, that is what is the essence and, and the construct of faith. And, and so I, I want to talk to you today about, about a faith on fire. I want you to have a faith that is on fire, that is, that is passionate, that is burning brightly, that is lighting up the world around you, that is, that is going into darkness and lighting it up with the love of Jesus. I want you to have a faith that is on fire. I want a church full of tenacious... Come on, faith on fire kind of people. And, um, you know, whenever I was in school, I didn't like tests. Anybody with me? Come on, every campus. Nobody? Yeah, none of us, we really enjoyed tests. I I didn't mind papers, though. And the reason I didn't mind papers is because I'm decent with words. And I could fill out some papers with words, even if it was somewhat coherent. Um, I could at least fudge my way through that. And I may have done that into college. I cannot confirm or deny that. Um, But I I never liked tests because how many of you know tests are a real indicator of whether or not you have digested the information? Like if, if the question is asked and it's yes or no, true or false, and there's only one right answer, you can't like fudge that, you know? I would sometimes circle in between the true or false. Like let there be a maybe option, maybe true, maybe right. Um, But but I I didn't like tests because let's just be honest, I didn't prepare for tests. Um, I I didn't want to put in the hours of studying, and I wanted to go hang out with my friends, and I wanted to play sports, and I didn't want to memorize things, and I didn't want to sit there with flashcards. Come on, some of y'all were flashcard ninjas, and I didn't like you, and you you were in the hallway at your locker with flashcards, and. I was wanting to talk, like, what's up? What's going on? How is everybody? You know, I was winning people to Jesus is what I was doing. I didn't. Um, But here's what I see in hindsight is that I'm thankful for tests. Like this, I'm thankful my physician took some tests. Come on, anybody with me? Is that... You're for real. You're like, I wasn't thinking for it, but I'm glad you took some tests. I'm glad you know what you're doing. I'm glad when everybody else was out hanging out, you were in the library studying. You were in the lab taking care of some things. You were memorizing, and I don't even know what you were memorizing, and I'm not going to even depend, pretend to know, but I'm sure it had to do with body parts and systems and blood and <laughs> organs and those kind of things. But I'm really glad because here's the deal, is that there came a moment where what, they were learning on a test, had to be applied in real life. Like there come a moment that was more important than grades and more critical than grades whenever they had to give a diagnosis and create a treatment plan and, and even take out a scalpel and possibly, come on somebody, some of you are already like passing out. You're like, think of a, and needles, and, and I'll say it again, needles, um, and, and, and like there came a moment where they had to actually do something on a real live person, and it was more, uh, more important than a grade at that moment, right? And I would propose that our faith journey is this way. That, that, that We can know some verses up here, and we can memorize some songs, and, and we could have attended some, some services and been a part of some things, but there comes a moment in our life, where it isn't just about what we know, but it is about can we apply what we know. There comes a moment in life where um, some things may come into our life that offer the opportunity for a test. A test to see have you really retained the information. Um, Is what you have been studying or what you've been saying or what you've been singing or what you've been declaring, is it really so in your life? And so, I want to talk to you about a faith on fire because a faith on fire is the kind of faith that can be tested. And God's not the kind of God that allows tests into your life to set you up to fail. Are you following me? Come on, we took some of those tests. Teachers, don't do that, that is wrong. It's evil in the sight of the Lord and does not please him. You know, like you took the test and you're like, they're trying to get me, right? Like it could be A and it could be B. Like either one is good. You know, I always hated those like, choose the best answer. No, I want the right answer. There is a right answer. Just give me the right. I don't want the best answer. I want the. But God's not, not allowing tests into your life to set you up to fail. God will allow tests into your life to see the strength of your faith. And to, and to allow the faith to be strengthened because I found out that it's in the testing that our faith is strengthened. And, and there's um, some guys in the Bible that, that go through a test. And I want to show you four things and, um, about them that I think will help us know what to do, what our faith should do in the middle of the test, and, and these boys um, have been taken into captivity in the Old Testament in a place called Babylon, and there's this guy named King Nebuchadnezzar, and King Nebuchadnezzar is, um, man, he, he's, he's an evil king, like, he doesn't know God, doesn't serve God, and, and so he sets up this statue, and he's like, you know, I'm gonna I'm make this statue, and then in, in the book of Daniel, which, you know, is my favorite book in all the Bible, I'm kidding, it's really not, but it's, it's a great name. Um, in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, this, this story may be familiar to you if you've been around church, and if not, it's, it's a fascinating story, and I'm kind of jazzed that um, I get to present it to you for the first time because I think we'll see some unique things in here. Um, it, it says in verse 4 of chapter 3, and it'll be on the screen for you, it said, Then the herald, and that's not like your uncle Harold. that's like a, someone that... That was funnier than... Uh, that's someone that proclaims something. Then the herald proclaimed loudly, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp's pipes, and all kinds of music, so the band's going to play, you must fall down or bow and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And, And here's the consequence if you don't you won't get a ticket, you'll be thrown in a blazing furnace. Whoever does not fall down in worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. A little extreme, right? <laughs> I mean, you're going to get thrown into a furnace if you don't. Um, but that's what's going to happen to you. And 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 that may not seem like a big deal because it's like, well, just everybody bow. Like like stand in your heart, but bow in your outside, right? Like, um, but it was problematic because there were three Hebrew boys that were um, Jewish and had been brought into Babylon through captivity, and they were working for the king. And and these three Hebrew boys had conviction of character. And and they had a love for God that that would not allow them to bow. And so they find themselves in a a problematic state because the command was clear and and the edict was clear and this is what you've got to do, but they would not bow. And, And here's what I would propose to you today. Is that a faith that is on fire um, may have to walk through the fire. If you wanna have a faith that is on fire, you may have to walk through the fire in this life. And it's kind of countercultural to some of the Christianity we wanna paint, where it's just blessing and lollipops and roses. But if you want a faith that is on fire, you may have to walk through the fire. Let me say it like this. I'm not sure that a faith that can't be tested is a faith that should be trusted. And so we're going to talk about that today. And so here's the response. We find out um, in verse 12. I'm I'm going to not read the whole thing because the, the, the whole chapter is like 30 verses. Um, but in verse 12, the Bible says this, but there are some Jews, the, his, his leaders and officials, um, kind of uh, they come to rat out um, the three Hebrew boys. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he says, but there are some Jews who have set over the fairs of the province of Babylon because these three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'd been raised to positions of authority. And so they were not, only, they were not just in Babylon, they were leaders, and they didn't bow, who pay no attention to you, O king. You can sense the jealousy, can you? <laughs> they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And listen to number 13, verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so these men were brought before the king. And so they, they refused to bow. The music plays. You can read in verse 7, they played the music. Everybody's bowing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, no, nah, I can't do it. And so the, the other leaders see this, they come to King Nebuchadnezzar, they rat him out, and then Nebuchadnezzar is furious with rage, and so he calls them in. And here, here's number one I want you to know about a faith on fire, is that it will face opposition. A faith on fire will face opposition. Somebody shout opposition. You just got to get ready for it. These three men faced opposition, and you will, if you want to have a faith that is on fire, if in this series you've been like, man, I really want to grow my faith, I want to stir my faith, then you've got to know you're going to face opposition, and you can call it opposition, you can call it challenge, you can call it storm in this life, you can call it whatever word you want to put in there, but you're going to face some opposition, And see, what I found about opposition in my own life and in observing life of people I've pastored for um, a couple decades now is this, is that opposition can give you a very narrow mind. Here's what I mean by that, is that whenever you're facing opposition, all of a sudden you begin to see things very small and very narrow. Uh, it, all of a sudden, the whole world is against you. God is no longer for you. Let me give you an example of this. The prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, he'd before God one day and he said, I'm the only one left that's serving you and they all want to kill me. Yeah. Well, neither one of them were true. He wasn't the only one left. There were other people serving God and not everybody wanted him dead. Just one person wanted him dead. Are you following me? And whenever we face opposition, whenever a struggle comes in our life, whenever a challenge comes in our life, and if you want a faith that's on fire, you will face opposition. But don't let the opposition cause you to have a narrow mind. Because you can begin to, the the enemy will feed to you in those moments. Well, God's abandoned you, and God's not with you, and God's not for you, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you did the right thing. You didn't bow. And now you're in front of the king, potentially going to be thrown in a blazing furnace, so they, they stood and they didn't bow, but opposition will cause you to get so narrow-minded. Right, right. It'll cause you to think that, oh, it's just, it's just me. It's just I'm the only one. I'm the only one serving God. Nobody's going through what I... Nobody feels the trouble I feel. Are you with me? I mean, but these guys, they, they will. you will face, you're going to face it. And here's the deal. If you're not ready for that, Then then you'll get get knocked off track in this moment. Because if you've got this idea that God is your heavenly dispense machine, then then when opposition comes, you're gonna be like, well, where's God in the middle of this? And I must not be moving. No, you could be moving right in the godly direction, but it doesn't mean opposition isn't gonna come your way. If you want a faith on fire, you will face opposition. Somebody shout, Opposition. Opposition. But you've gotta be able to see opposition for what it is. See, we often have a skewed perspective that opposition is maybe God's not with me or maybe I'm being prohibited. Maybe I'm not moving in the right direction, but you got to learn to see opposition for, for what it is. See, opposition is opportunity. Well, yeah. yeah. Whenever I face opposition, I'm not saying that God sends it. Uh, the Bible says that, that God doesn't send challenge, uh, temptation and things into your life, but God will use it. Uh, what the enemy meant for evil, Paul wrote, God meant for good in your life. So what the enemy means to eliminate you, God will use to elevate you. If you'll respond... To the opposition right and what the enemy means to tear you down, God will use to test you if you will use it right. And it is the testing of our faith that produces perseverance in us and whenever perseverance has had its good work in us or its complete work. See, opposition is an opportunity for God to test your mettle. Can I say it that way? It's an opportunity for God to go, do you have the goods? You know it up here, you've sang it out here, you've read it in here, but has it got in here? And it's only I have found that in the opposition that that truly comes out. It either burns up or comes out as gold. Are you with me? And so you got to be able to see it for what it is, because if not, you'll, you'll bemoan the opposition. And I'm not saying that you get up and go, oh, this is awesome. I'm just so glad I'm going through a hard time. I'm not saying that. The Bible says give thanks in all things, not give thanks for all things. But in all things, I can give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for me to give thanks. Why would Paul say that? I have a feeling that Paul knew something about opposition. I mean, he had a thorn in his flesh that he prayed God would remove, and and he, he faced places where he went and they imprisoned him, and he faced places where he went and, and they snake bit him and and they called him an evil, and then they called him a god, and I mean Paul faced some crazy Criticism. Which, just side note, if you want to have a faith on fire, opposition could come in the form of critics and small-minded religious people, and and lack of faith, Pharisaical kind of people. But you got to brush it off and keep moving forward in Jesus' name. But. The opposition is the opportunity for your faith to grow. Paul said, give thanks in all things. I wonder why Paul could give thanks in all things. I have a sneaky suspicion it is because Paul understood that in all things, I have an opportunity to strengthen the thing that will take me to the next level, which is my faith. You don't know if you know the facts until you've been tested on the facts. And I don't know if you know if your faith will stand up under the weight until some weight has been put on it. And so it could be that the challenge you're facing right now is God giving you the opportunity to go, I can handle this. God, I I have been working the faith muscle. I have been building my belief. It hasn't just been up here and it hasn't just been spoken out here, but it's made it into here. And so you'll face opposition, but your ability to stand under the opposition will not be because of your goodness. And it won't be because of your strength, and it won't be because of your intellect, and it won't be because of your power. I want you to see how the three Hebrew boys responded whenever the king brought them in. And, and he said, um, I'm going I'm to play the music again. I've set this up. Now when you hear the sound, he said, then you bow." And uh, he's like, I'm giving you round two because I, I like you so much. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16, says this. Replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And I, I never noticed this before until I read this this week, and He will rescue us from your hand, O King. I'd always focused on the God we serve is able to, but they said with great confidence and great boldness, He will rescue us from your hand, O King. But even if He does not, we want you to know, O King, still showing respect and honor, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They said, "Oh King, we don't need to defend ourselves, and we don't need to. We don't need to bow. We don't need to defend ourselves in this matter because the God we serve is able. But even if He doesn't, we just want you to know we're still not going to bow. He will rescue us, but by some chance, if He has a different plan, we're still not going to bow. Number two is not only number one. Will we have to? In we will face opposition. Number two is that we will increase confidence." A faith on fire will increase confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence in God. Their their confidence wasn't in them. They said the God we serve is able. And so our confidence can't be in our ability or, or in our strength or in what we can do, but our confidence must rest in the Lord, right? And some of you, maybe today, some of you just need to be reminded of this, that the God you serve is able. You may just come for that one line, that the God you serve is able. He's able. And maybe, maybe you grew up in a, a religious tradition where God was not elevated to a high place, that, that he was kind of afar off, and, and he was a God that was out there, and, and he kind of did some things in the past, but now he's just kind of letting the globe spin. He's, he's kind of cranked it up, and now he's sitting back, and he's relaxing and chilling out. But I just need you to know that the God we serve is able that he is still the same yesterday, today, and forever, that just as active as he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he's that active today, and he is able. He's able to heal your marriage. He's able to heal your disease. He's able to bring your child back from the brink of disaster. He is able to open the door on your career. He is able to provide... He's able. He is able today. You need to remember our God is able. If you are going to have a faith that is on fire, there's got to be something inside of you that says He is able, that reminds you He is able. That when you are faced with the fire, if your faith is going to be set on fire, you've got to remember that our God is able. That He is able. It may not always come in the time that you want it. It may not always come in the way that you want it. It may not always come in the season or in the package that you want it. But God is able. He's able. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, and above anything you can dream or imagine. And some of us get stuck at this point because we get before the thing that is wanting us to bow down and we fear wants us to bow to it and, and divorce wants us to bow to it and anxiety wants us to bow to it and, and culture wants us to bow to it and we get before the thing and if we're not realizing it, we don't have our eyes fixed on Jesus, then we will allow fear to grip our heart and it'll grip our will and it'll paralyze us and instead of doing the thing, showing the evidence of the faith that we have and saying, oh, king, we don't need to defend ourselves. I don't need to sweat about this. What they were saying is I don't need to worry about this. I don't need to get all uptight about this. I don't need to lose sleep about this because I serve a God that is able. You got to remember God is able. But then they took it another step. Like that's easy to clap to. That's right. God's able. God works miracles. He's a good guy. Same yesterday. Like, we like all that, but can we go the next step? But even if he doesn't. See, I don't want you to have just a God is able kind of faith. I want you to have a but if he doesn't kind of faith. I want you to have the kind of faith that says, whether he gets us out of the furnace or not, I will keep serving him. Whether he heals my body or not, I'll keep worshiping him. Whether he brings this financial breakthrough or not, I'm gonna stay faithful to him. But even if he doesn't, I'm not, he's never letting me down. Even if he never does another thing for me, he did the cross for me. And even if he doesn't, I'll keep serving Him. I'll keep loving Him. I'll keep worshiping Him. I'll keep praying to Him. I'll keep lifting His name up, even if He doesn't. I'm praying this series stirs a but-even-if-He-doesn't kind of faith. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. You won't step into that kind of faith if your faith is a transactional faith. Here's what I mean by that. It is easy to have a my God is able faith when God is coming through in the way you wanted Him to, in the timing you wanted Him to. It's easy to clap on the other side of your miracle. It's easy to worship in the promised land. It's easy to praise God. Egypt was bought out of slavery and brought into the promised land. It's easy to, when God has fulfilled it, when God has answered it, It's easy to come in and worship. It's easy to pray. It's easy to say, He's a good God. He's a great God. It's easy in those moments, but what about when they're about to tie you up and throw you in the fire? But if it's transactional, meaning this, God, I'll worship you, and I'll serve you, and I'll have faith in you if you do for me what I'm asking you to do for me. And I've seen too many people in this moment begin to get derailed in their faith because they had a transactional relationship. And they thought that because of their church attendance, they were depositing into their heavenly account. And they thought because of their Bible reading, they were making some deposits and they could make a withdrawal on God one day. And when they went to make the withdrawal, they they didn't get back out what they had put in in their mind because it was a transaction. God, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. God, I'll put a quarter in you, you spit out a miracle for me. And it was transactional. And if your faith is transactional, whenever the opposition comes, you have a hard time standing. But if your faith is transformational where it has done something on the inside of you that can say, God, whether you do anything for me or not. Even if He doesn't. See, see a transformational faith is the kind of faith that understands the character of God. The character of God that he is good and that he is loving and that he is all knowing and that he knows the beginning from the end that's why Shadrach Meshach and could say that if they were if they were to write a commentary on on everybody in the 21st century church here's what we meant by that I think this is what they would say that we knew God was able and we believed he was going to save us from this fiery furnace but even if he didn't we understood his character we understood he must be doing something bigger in the earth we understood he could see the beginning from the end that he's outside of time. We didn't know what he was going to do. But even if he didn't, we were going to keep worshiping and keep serving and keep loving and keep faith and keep attending and keep showing up day after day, moment after, even if he didn't. Because it was transformational. It wasn't transactional. It wasn't do for me and I'll do for you. And, And it would be great at this point to go, and the king responded to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I've never seen such faith like yours in all the land. Loose them and free them and may they prosper. But he didn't. It's not what happened. The Bible says in verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. So he went from um, rage to furious. So he's got some emotional issues to deal with. He needs some freedom. But he was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. So his attitude earlier in the text was, I'm angry with you, but I like you, and I'm going to give you a second chance. And his attitude changed. He ordered the furnace seven heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they got thrown in the fire. You will face opposition. Faith that's on fire will face opposition. A faith that's on fire will increase confidence. But a faith that's on fire also will remain faithful. Will remain faithful. I don't know about you, but if I'm reading this text for real of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm like, um, can, can, uh, hey, Jet, j- just kidding, King. All right, can we get a do over? I mean, for real, like, think about it, like, we can sit here in our nice little facilities and think about, but think about blazing furnace, like, you can feel the heat from it. Then it's heated seven times higher. The Bible says that it was so hot that the the guys that threw them in there died from it. I mean, think about the level of heat. And it's not like they couldn't feel that heat. So they're feeling the heat, but they're still standing. That's my question for you. Can you feel the heat and still stand? Can you feel the heat of life and still say, no, I am planted. I'm going to plant my feet on the solid rock of who Jesus Christ is in my life. I feel the heat. The flames are about to touch me, but it will not move me. I am planted like a tree by living water, and I will bear the right fruit in the due season at the right time. But I'm going to remain faithful in the meantime. I'm going to remain faithful. These guys remain faithful. They could have said, no, just kidding. When they begin to tie them up, they, maybe the three of them were looking like, Shattery was like, hey, bro, is this a good idea? <laughs> like, should we really do this? But they remained, they remained faithful. A faith on fire has to remain faithful. And can I give you a little insight that maybe you've experienced, maybe not? Is when you face opposition and you decide, my confidence is going to be in God, the fire will get hotter. Just know it. Just be ready. The fire's going to get hotter. I often uh, hear people talk about this in terms of um, when they begin to get obedient in the tithe and in their, in their generosity and, and realizing everything we have comes from God. We didn't, we didn't create any of it. And, and then we, God tells us we should be generous and, and give back. And um, I'll, I'll meet people all the time. just met someone the other day that said, Hey, Pastor, I've been doing that tithe thing you told me. And as soon as I started doing it, I had all these bills come in. I never didn't know where they're coming from out of the blue. The fire's getting hotter. The fire's getting hotter. To, to see it, is what's the metal of your faith? What's the strength? Are you with me? What's the strength of your faith? I just started serving, and man, it seems like every time I'm scheduled service, like I get up, I get up late, and the kids have lost their mind. We can't get out of the house. Fire's getting hotter. I'm trying to be a better husband and and love my wife, and I've been trying to serve her, and it seems like everything I do, I just get faced with opposition, and man, I'm about to quit. It's just the fire getting hotter. It should be an indicator to you that you're on the edge of your breakthrough. When the fire gets hotter... Don't let it make you cower back. Let it make you stand stronger and realize you are on the brink of your breakthrough if you will just remain faithful to what God has said to you. you got to remain faithful. Somebody shout faithful. Faithful. So they remain faithful and... Um, and the Bible goes on to tell us it's, it's a, an amazing, it's a miracle. It says that King Nebuchadnezzar looks down and he says, I see a fourth man in there and he looks like the son of God. And so Jesus, this is called in, in um, theological terms, it's called a Christophany. It's an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. And so Jesus is with them in the fire. And then the, the text says, and this is a fun part to preach, but I'm not going to do it today. But the text says that they came out of the fire and they didn't, they were not burned and they didn't smell like smoke. And, and that's a fun one to preach. It's like, and God will bring you through, and you won't even smell like smoke, and you won't even be burned, and whatever it is that's on you, God's going to get it off you, but I don't even know if that's true. Can I be real honest? You may smell like smoke. Are you with me? You may have some singes on you. I don't know. They didn't, but I can't apply their experience to your experience. But, but here's what I do want you to see is the point of a faith on fire. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There it was. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Let me put it in context for us today. A faith on fire will exalt Jesus did you see it? The point of the story wasn't that they came out not smelling like smoke. That's a fun one to preach and, and it, it, it'll it get everybody on their feet. And the point was not that, that they didn't even have any burn marks on them. The point of the story is that at the beginning of the chapter, Nebuchadnezzar has erected a statue as a god to the people and saying everybody bow to that god, but because of a faith on fire of three Hebrew boys, 30 verses later, he's saying praise be to the god of Shadrach, Meshach. Shack and Abednego, there is no other God like their God. Let me tell you, that's the point of you having fierce faith. It's not that just God is testing the strength of your faith but it's that through your faith others would praise the God that you serve and exalt the name of Jesus around you. It's why when you walk through hell in this life and people go, I don't know how you walk through cancer with joy in your heart and a smile on your face. That's faith on fire. And they're seeing Jesus in the middle of that. And I don't know how you walk through that with your child. I don't know how you walk through that at school and you stood up for Christ and people made fun of you. But I want what you got. That is a faith that is on fire, because a faith that is on fire will result in an exaltation of who Jesus is. Come on, give Him a shout of praise in this house. He's worthy. He's worthy. Will you stand with me at every campus all across the room? Here's what I want you to see. That F, you'll face opposition. That I, you will increase confidence. R, you'll remain faithful. And E, you'll exalt Jesus. And that is a faith that is on fire. Will you pray with me? Every campus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. God, we exalt you. We thank you for who you are. God, we just just realized today and have our eyes open today, uh, God, that Every opposition is an opportunity to see you do something amazing in our life. and So God, just pray over every person right now that feels like they are walking through the fire. I pray today they would see that God is preparing them to have a faith that is set on fire for Jesus, a faith that walks through opposition, a faith that trusts in God a faith that remains faithful in the middle of all things God and at the end of it we want Jesus to be exalted in our life we want it to point people to the goodness of God and lord we give you thanks and we give you all the honor for its do your name and we pray this in Jesus name and everyone said amen amen, amen. come on put your hands together